This is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry. And online at elisailana.com. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Now, here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. It's Rachel here with your radio sisters, Bo and Ellie. You know it. And you know what time it is. Mm-hmm. It's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. <laughs> well, another weekend, another jam-packed show for you guys. It's real, it's here, it's ready. All right, here we go. Let's get to those guests. <laughs> The Mulberry Lane Show's on Celebrity story songs You're gonna have it going on When we tell you who's stopping by now Well, first up, you've met him here once before Engelbert Humperdinck is back again This time talking about his brand new album The Man I Want to Be What's amazing about this legendary artist Is this is his 81st album And of all his albums, he's had four Grammy nominations, 63 gold albums, 24 platinum albums. So as you can see, he definitely is a legend in every sense of the word. Engelbert visits with you about the recording of this album and who it's dedicated to and the inspiration behind it. And what's interesting is he's recording songs written by Ed Sheeran, Bruno Mars, and Richard Marks. Yes, so Engelbert's career and voice have stood the test of time from his timeless hits like this. So I sing you to sleep After the loving With a song I just wrote Yesterday To his interpretation of modern hits like this one from Ed Sheeran. So you can keep me Inside the pocket of your ripped jeans Holding me closer till the eyes meet You won't ever be alone Wait for me to come home Gotta love that voice. Okay, Rachel, who's up next? Lead singer, lead guitarist, and songwriter with 38 Special, Don Barnes, is here. You know Don best from these 38 Special hits. heard about Don's lost solo album. Now this was recorded in 1989, was never released due to a record company merger. You're going to get the scoop and how that album has now seen the light of day. Don is going to give you all the behind the scenes on this very intriguing music business story. Yes, and this album back then in 1989 was prophetically titled Ride the Storm and Don really had to ride the storm to get this album released. This is the kind of story you don't here every day and you guys can catch 38 special in concert February 8th in Omaha at the Ralston Arena right around the corner. Rachel who's next? 
Then you'll meet senior editor of People Magazine, Alicia Dennis. She's also hosting Investigation Discoveries, People Magazine Investigates. Now, Alicia's going to give you a behind-the-scenes look at the series in its second season and the fine line she walks to bringing you what you need to know and see about these compelling crime cases and what the victims or their families are willing to share. It's a really interesting look at the series with Alicia. And that's coming up a little later in the show. Now, Rachel, you've got to share about the not-so-good things that are happening in your household this week. Well, as you know, the uh, flu season is in full swing, and my family was not spared this season. My nine-year-old Casey actually came down with the flu earlier this week, and when I brought him to the doctor, not only did he have influenza A, but he also has croup. Scary combination. Mm -hmm. So, this combination, I guess, is a tough combination to get over. He's doing great. So glad to hear that. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing was, when he was telling his dad what he had, he said, Dad, I've got cripe and influasia. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know mixing up words was a flu symptom. (laughs) So we had a pretty good laugh at that. Mm -hmm. Well, Rachel, we're so thankful that Casey's feeling better. And we hope that the flu is staying away from your house. But whatever ailments you might have going on in your life right now, now we've got the cure for you coming up next is engelbert humperdinck he's got a brand new album of love songs he's a legend and with 81 albums he's definitely an inspiration stay right here with your radio sisters on the mulberry lane show meet the celebrities on your radio station Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Thanks for keeping it right here with your radio sisters on the Mulberry Lane Show. Well, you met the king of romance, Engelbert Humperdinck, once before in the show when he told you all about his 80th album, A Series of Duets. Now he's back to chat with you all about his 81st album, The Man I Want to Be, which features songs written by Ed Sheeran and Bruno Mars. But first, a quick refresher. Now, Engelbert has four Grammy nominations, 63 gold albums, and 24 platinum albums. Definitely a legend by any definition. Welcome, welcome back to the show, Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh, gosh, that's lovely. (laughs) Great to have you back. So now, The Man I Want to Be, how long did that take to put together? The Man I Want to Be took about, I'd say, six months. Okay. Yeah, six months of putting the arrangements back and forth from England to America and then sending it back again and back and forth and back and forth and re- recording it in Capitol Studios in, in Los Angeles and, and some of the other studios that I've worked with over here. Okay, so now how did you choose the songs? Well, the songs, my record producer, you know, brought some songs along and they seemed so apropos. And, and of course, we, this is a dedication to my wife. It's a love letter to my wife. And I met her when she was 17, and we've been together ever since. And so I thought it was a good idea to make it a, a dedication to my wife. And now know? she's suffering from Alzheimer's, is that right? Yes, she did. And that's one of the reasons why there are songs on here that are written for her, okay. like Just Like the First Time, and I'm Glad I Danced With You, are all you know, sort of dedicated to her. To and her. How emotional was it, recording these songs in the studio? Well, it's emotional because every time she hears it now, you know, I, we play it to her every day. She has a little smile on her face. I okay. think she does recognize it, and, and that's wonderful, you know, and I'm glad I danced with her. Yeah. yeah. And what a beautiful love story. Thank you. Do you feel like music brings your wife back? These songs trigger her memories more than other things. I think music is a great therapy for people suffering from this disease, 
And when I do play to her, she does have a reaction. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So now, as far as, you know, choosing these songs and recording them in the studio, when you open your mouth to record, does Engelbert Humperdinck come out? Or do you, yeah. Or yeah, do you yeah. work on, like, the phrasing and the timing? You know, Engelbert Humperdinck comes out, obviously, you know, because I consider myself, you know, a, a, a thespian of song, and that's my job. And, and I'm on stage and off stage, the same thing. You know, even when I sing in a recording studio, I pretend as though I've got an audience, you okay. know? Okay. Yeah. So everything is a live performance for you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now singing songs from Release Me way back in the beginning of your career to songs written by Ed Sheeran, what is your take as you interpret these songs on the quality of songwriting? Do you think... Well, you know, you have to be a little bit different. You can't be an exact replica of the person that wrote it. And I just love Ed Sheeran. And, you know, I used to sing one of his other songs, like Thinking Out Loud in my show. Okay. I've loved them from the start, so I thought, let's put one of Ed's numbers on here. And, and this is such a great song, and it fits the sort of format of the album. So therefore, we decided to record, you know, photograph. So what was his reaction when he knew? I don't know. I, I'm waiting to find okay. out. Okay. <laughs> You'll probably find out soon. The only person that showed reaction right now is uh, Richard Marks with How Can You Live With Yourself. He wrote me a lovely email and said that he was glad that I recorded his song. Oh, how nice. Mm -hmm. If you're just jumping in, you're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show. Joining your weekend, Engelbert Humperdinck, talking about his latest album, The Man I Want to Be. Who is the producer this time? Uh, Jürgen is my producer, and he also owns the record company. Okay, so what did he bring to the project? He brought most of them to me, but, you know, there's a song on there right at the end, which is a bonus track, and it was written by Les Reed, a gentleman who was responsible for some of my early hits, like The Last Waltz and Les Bicyclettes de Belsailles, you know, he sent me this song, and it's a tribute for my country. Mm. Uh, I decided to put it on the album, and it's getting quite good reaction back home and everywhere else in the world. So that was a good choice. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) And the name of that song is Our England. Yes. When you record in the studio, do you still sip your cognac? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. I do. I have a little sip. You know, it gives me that little confidence, little courage. Even though there's nobody watching me, it gives me that little edge. Okay. So now, do you think it does more for your voice or more for your attitude? Uh, I think it's, it's more for the attitude. Okay. <laughs> I like that. So now you, know, you loosen up a little bit. You know? <laughs> yeah. So now you're going on tour. Yes, I am. My tour started when this album was released in November. Besides singing my standards on the show, I'm giving them a lot of new material for my new album. You know, I do sing just the way you are on stage, okay. and I do sing photograph, and I'm glad I dance with you, Particle Sun, and Follow My Heart. That's all new songs on the show. So now, after 81 albums, it's got to be a chore to figure out which songs you're going to sing in the concert. It is a problem. But, you know, this album has solved a lot of problems. Because <laughs> normally I have to go through my repertoire of all my albums to see which ones I want to put back into the show. And now it's given me, this album has given me fresh blood. Uh-huh. I bet it's nice to go out and sing all new songs to you as well. Yes, it is. It is. It's it's a great change. I would think now touring, you have to love performing and you have to love getting up on stage and singing, but you also have to love people. I do. I do. Live audiences are great. You know, they just, they breathe life into your body and and I, I, you know, being a thespian of song, I just love that. Uh Now, at this point in your career, would you say it's the people, it's your audience that drives you to put out new music? Or in this case, was it your wife? Actually, both in this respect. This album is for my wife, but I do love performing. Okay. Now, family has always been an important part of your life, and you have always 
put family first. Do you think that's one of the reasons why you've had such a long career? I think so, yes. I think so. Your son and daughter were on the duet album. Yes. Yeah. So did they make an appearance on this album at all? Well, now I've got my granddaughter on the album because she's singing the duet with me. Okay. You know, she's only nine years old. Awesome. It's unbelievable. So what was that like, singing in the studio with your granddaughter right there? Oh, amazing. I mean, this is a little talent. This is another Bruno Mars. Wow. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm so excited about her career. So now you've got this album and this tour. What's next for you, Engelbert? I don't know. <laughs> this album going first, you know, and then I'll see what happens. <clears throat> well, it's lovely to catch up with you once again. Loved hearing about the brand new album. And will you be touring in the Midwest at all? I'm sure, yes. Yes, indeed. And where can people find out where you'll be? It'll be on Engelbert.com. Okay. And by the way, I love the album cover. I think that's a great shot. Hey, you have a look at the back as well. It's the same. <laughs> it's beautiful. That was my choice of picture, by the way. I loved it. I love this picture. And I said, and it's like telling you, this is the man I want to be, you know. Yes. And, and that's why I chose that picture. I thought it really translated. Thank you. Uh-huh. Well, great to catch up with you, Engelbert. Thank you for joining the show. Okay, my love duo. Thank you very much. That's legendary artist Engelbert Humperdinck here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Make sure you check out The Man I Want to Be. Hold on loosely, because coming up next, Don Barnes of 38 Special here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Keep it right here with your radio sisters. And here's Engelbert singing Ed Sheeran's photograph. Loving can hurt. Loving can hurt sometimes. But it's the only thing that I know When it gets hard You know it can get hard sometimes It is the only thing that makes us feel alive We keep this love in a photograph We made these memories for ourselves Where eyes are never closing Hearts are never broken And time's forever frozen still So you can keep me Inside the pocket of your ripped jeans Holding me closer till the eyes meet you won't ever be alone Wait for me to come home Loving can heal Loving can mend your soul Meet the celebrities on your radio station Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, you know him as co-founder, lead singer, and guitarist of the hit rock band 38 Special, who brought you hits like Hang On Loosely and So Caught Up In You. Now, Don Barnes is here to give you the scoop on how his lost solo album, Ride the Storm, originally recorded in 1989, but never was properly released until now. And right now, it's all rock and roll with Don. <laughs> Don Barnes, Ride the Storm, Lost Solo Album, Now Reborn, yeah, yeah. Hey, that was great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> great to have you. I was trying to harmonize along with you, you know. Oh, awesome. I love that. <laughs> now, this is such an interesting story of how this lost album, there probably would have been a mega hit had it been released 
at the time. But, you know, it got buried. It just recently was resurrected. And so how did this all come about? Uh, I was given an opportunity years ago by A&M Records. It was the, 30, the label, 38 Special was on, A&M Records. Okay. And they gave me an opportunity to write and co-produce a, an album. And I was able to write with whoever I wanted. I co-wrote a lot of songs with Martin Briley, who's a British guy. that yes. uh, He had a couple of hits and worked with Julian Lynn and a lot of people over Abbey Road and everything. But just a masterful songwriter. And then I was able to corral the greatest players in the world, Jeff Vaccaro and Mike Vaccaro from the band Toto, who uh, it was truly an honor to have them in the studio. And sadly, they didn't live to see this release. And I um, just sent out notes to the family what an honor it was for me to have them. Also, Dan Huff was the guitarist, the session guitarist back then, but he's a titan in the music business yeah, now in the industry. Yeah, he's a Nashville producer, yeah. Yeah, Keith Urban and Rascal Flatts and everything. Just an old friend, but he's just a monster guitarist. Uh, Denny Carmasi from the band Heart, drummer, played on four songs, and uh, several other guys. But anyway, we came in there, and it was explosive performance. We just slammed them out there, and it was a great time. They all loved the song. Everything was mixed. Everything was wrapped up and ready to go. And who has this happened? The whole record company was sold out from under us to Polygram, big worldwide acquisition. And everybody that had a project, all the A&M artists, their albums were shelved. Everything yeah. was shelved, never to see the light of day because of all this buyout. So and then after over the all years, that input and all that assembly of brilliant musicians. Yeah. Well, let me tell you a little bit more disappointing. What happened? <laughs> so, so now my manager and I tried to get the masters, you know, the okay. master tapes and everything, so we could appeal to another record company or put release it ourselves or whatever. Well, they weren't about releasing or doing any deals it was all a big conglomerates this is the boring side of the business big yeah. conglomerates are about holdings and acquisitions and right. i figured they probably released it posthumously or something <laughs> but uh, last year the guy from melodic rock records andrew mcneese wanted to put together a compilation two cd package of outtakes you know uh, bonus tracks and things and i said yeah i'd love to do it but i can't find it and uh, so he did a Search. Now, all this time, I thought that those masters were being kept, you know, in a climate-controlled vault somewhere, you know. Yeah. So he did three different searches, extensive searches through Universal Music, and they basically told him, don't bother us anymore. They've been destroyed. All those masters were destroyed. So you're talking about a lot of work and a lot of writing in two years of my life, you know, So, and it was destroyed. And all the brilliant performances. All the performance, and, and again, you know, Jeff and Mike Beccaro, you know, they're, they're not gone. here today. And so I remember the last day of the remixes, we put like a rap rock mix together, a big, big drum, the guitar, bigger stuff, you know. And the guy gave me a two-track tape and wrote in red ink all the titles of the songs, and I left, came back to Atlanta from L.A. there. All those years, I had moved three times. I turned the house upside down. I went and looked everywhere, couldn't find it. And my son, my grown son, he had borrowed it. Just, he just enjoyed listening to it. You know, he'd, he'd move. He had some bins and storage down in my basement. And I looked around. I said, well, maybe Jason's got it in his junk over there. So I pulled all his bins out. And there was the red lettering of the song titles in the bottom of the storage bin, the only copy in the world existing. And I just about fell out. And yeah, he was so shook up when I told him. He said, Dad, I didn't realize I had the only copy in the world. So my belief in those songs never wavered all those years. I knew they were great, well-written songs. When you, you heard them again, 
What was your thought? Oh, it was it was amazing. I, you know, we remastered, we mastered everything. People have asked, did you go back and retouch up or anything? No, it's exactly the way it was back then. It was the two-track mixes. There was no going back and in and fixing this or whatever. It's exactly the way it, it sat from so 1990. Now, so were you pretty happy with the mixes? Like, oh, oh ecstatic. Okay. It wasn't no, like, oh, I, I wish I could have brought this up or moved this down or changed this. No. Now, there, there are two mixes. The original mix, now, I did get the opportunity back then to go go and remix them and make it bigger. So that's what I was happy with. I was satisfied back then. And those mixes hold up now. I mean, I was very happy to have the rock mixes. So now it's a compilation of two CDs, the original mixes, which are fine. They're great. They're a little bit more fashion for a little bit more AOR radio or whatever. But the rock mixes are bigger and more explosive. And then there's three bonus tracks, which were three demos that are really good songs that didn't make the final cut. But Martin Briley sent sent me remember dat tapes he sent me dat files of those songs i thought wow those are really good so they're on there the, the album artwork is a bit of a metaphor tied to a tornado trying to just wrangle with all the unexpected twists and turns to get this thing out to the public you know just trying to hang on all these years later if i'm so happy to got to see the light of day and i crack a bottle of champagne the day it was released oh, you know so and drank the whole thing and i gotta tell you after all this now Five stars across the world. We've got Germany, Japan, UK. Everybody's at Amazon and iTunes. Five stars. Everybody. A and M Universal was sitting on some buried treasure. It just shows you what record companies. They don't know what they have. You know. Oh, and you think about all the stuff that's still buried and is a treasure too. Yeah, I, I was talking to a guy in the UK the other day. They were playing right the song "Ride the Storm." It's just blowing up over there, and he said, "I do believe you created a monster." <laughs> yeah. Lead singer, guitarist, and songwriter with 38 Special, Don Barnes, here on the Mulberry Lane Show talking about his lost solo album, Ride the Storm, out now. You're going to hear more with Don right after this. So keep it right here with your radio sisters. Be right back. Gonna ride the storm. the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. In the middle of a chat with lead singer, songwriter, and lead guitarist with 38 Special, Don Barnes is here talking about the story behind his lost solo album. Now, you got the scoop of how it was buried by A&M Records when they were absorbed into Polygram in 1989-90, and how he was able to find some mixes from that original session, and now almost 30 years later, Ride the Storm is officially released. We'll continue the story with Don right now. 
what's Ride the Storm the title of the album back then? Yep. Wow, that was prophetic. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, <laughs> no, I know. I didn't know what was to come, you know, after all that time. It, was, it definitely was wrangling, riding that tornado. <laughs> the, the guy, the Italian guy that did the artwork, Nello Del Omo, he's got his own website, just a wonderful artist. This guy's amazing. But, uh, yeah, we tweaked it back and forth, and I said he, at first he had the guy on the, the album cover, he, the guy's he's riding the guitar tied to a tornado, and he had a helmet on the guy. I said, no, there's no helmet. This is not fake. This is, <laughs> this guy, you know, he's doing, that's right, yeah. So we tweaked the art, but uh, everything came out right. That, you know, the, I was glad that I had a hand in, in the artwork and the photos, and just everything was a really nice package and everything, because if it would have been, released after I'm gone, I wouldn't have had any hand in it, so I'm glad that and it wouldn't have been, been able to so do much it. fun. Yeah, that wouldn't have been fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> so now, do you ever think of the what-ifs, like, you know, what if this had been, you know, released in 89, 90? Well, see, I tell people, this is kind of the eventual record that 38 Special was going to do. Okay. There was a little bit of shake-up after, you know, 12 albums back then. There was a bit of creative differences, the old cliche, you know. Okay. Some of the guys wanted to go a little bit more toward the middle, and you can tell what they did with the ballad second chance they wanted to get more of the aor kind of album oriented uh, adult contemporary kind of thing and i wanted to keep it amped up and rocking you know i was okay. just just the aggressive attitude guitars in your face and we call it muscle and melody you know it's a, got that muscular guitar and some good melody a good story over the top and it's a simple formula and hey if it ain't broke don't fix it right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was what was going to be the 38 special record and i'd written with that in mind but now, 38 Specials, we're all together. We're yeah. doing 100 cities a year. We're still, we're doing great. Yeah. We actually do for three of these songs in the show. So, okay, so that has good. become part of the 38 Special show as well. Yeah, so I got, you know, and people say, you're going to go off and do a, you know, put a band together and do a solo thing. Why? I'm playing to many thousands of people every night. I can just do it right here within right. a great band, you know, just so we're playing the, playing the songs. Exactly, yeah, why not? Right. So now with 38 right. Special, when Donnie Van Zant was the other lead singer, how did you guys decide who would sing what song? Uh, he had a more of kind of a earthy, bluesy voice, and mine was more radio friendly. I guess more commercial, you know. So it was always uh, a team. We we always felt like it didn't matter who carried the ball as long as we won. We were always great friends. We've known each other since we were 14 years old. It's always the obvious thing. He would take the rougher kind of songs that lent themselves to that kind of situation, you know. You know, Donnie, you now he had to retire due to health reasons. He had uh -huh. uh, inner ear nerve damage after all the amps for 40 years, you know, all the music for so long. Yeah, they read him the riot act and macro MRIs and everything. They said, you have very few nerve fibers left, wow. and if you continue doing what you're doing, you're going to be absolutely stone deaf. So wow. I told him, I said, you know, your brother Ronnie, you know, he was killed in the plane crash in 77. I said, he would have been so proud that you made it this far. And you did great. And if they told me that, I'd be gone tomorrow. It's just not worth it, you know. Yeah. They said that he wouldn't hear, you know, his, his kids laughing and Thanksgiving dinner, anything. They told him everything. So yeah. Yeah. it was one of those things. It was sad parting, but he's been my partner all those years. And I talk to him all the time. He's yeah. doing fine. Oh, that's awesome. Now, are you still writing yeah. quite a bit? Yeah, yeah, we still have a, a new 38 special stuff. We're about halfway through. We've got some great songs, harken back to a little bit of the 80s stuff with a little double lot kind of approach to it. But, uh, you know, good melodies, good songwriting. Jim Peterick is involved, the okay. band Survivor, remember? Yeah. And so we're all, yeah, we're all doing it. We try to find the time between 100 cities a year, you can exactly. imagine. So try so, to have a life between two. Yeah, i got to have a life, too. <laughs> Don Barnes, special guest here on the Mulberry Lane Show.
You know Don from 38 Special. You're hearing the scoop on his latest album, which was actually recorded in 1989, considered the lost album. Well, Ride the Storm is out, and you're hearing all about it here on the Mulberry Lane Show. What's it like touring today versus back in the 80s, 90s? We see the generations out there. You know, the people have kids that played our music in the house. They see the young kids out there learned off of the Guitar Hero rock band uh-huh. games. And they're out there, 14-year-old kids, high-fiving each other when their favorite song, you know, comes on. We're like, dude, you weren't even born when I talked about it. But it's, it's great. We see instant reaction, people singing along. It's a big escape for all the big crowds out there. And, and some tears in their eyes, some song might remind them of someone, you know. And, and you see all of that. And it's, a, it's the greatest job in the world to bring joy to people every night. So we have a good time. Awesome. And then, Don, do you have any words of advice for... The bands out there that are looking for that hit record, you know, what's some advice you would share? Well, there's quite a bit. I don't mean to sound discouraging, but I tell young guys, they've got a little band and they think they're pretty good and they want to get a record deal. I said, buddy, if you absolutely have to do it, you know, because you're going to sacrifice everything and you're going to, it's, it's anniversaries and birthdays, you're going to be rehearsing, you got to be six steps ahead of yourself, you got to write 500 songs and maybe publish 50 all the brutal honesty of the business is competitive and it's all that i say uh, like i said i don't mean to sound discouraging but if there's any more stability to fall back on if you're good at something because there are no guarantees and you ladies probably know that too you can give a hundred and ten percent and still not make something happen even though you want it so bad bad, and so do it for the love of it do it for the love and, and and it'll find its way i tell the young guys even if they play on the weekends, you know, when you try to eat from it, it's going to be, it's, it's tough, you know. So we were just too stubborn to quit. And I was, I've had that passion and conviction to want to be that ever yeah. since, you know, the Beatles and all that. You know, we were big fans of all that. And we mm-hmm. saw the, the, the happiness and the smiles. And, uh, you know, a band is like a second family. It's a support group. One person gets down and the other, other ones lift them up, prop them up and say, come on, we can, we can push, push, push through. So, uh, it's a lot of that going on. And you girls are family, so, you know, that's uh, always a plus there. Yeah, that yeah. helps a lot. Well, Don, yeah, so. we would love to have you back when the next 38 special album is ready to go. Yeah, it should be about six months. Yeah, okay. so we'll definitely get hooked up. Okay, we'll save you a chair right here. Thank you, ladies. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Thank Don. you, Don. Don Barnes, frontman of the band 38 Special. He's got his new Lost solo album finally released called Ride the Storm. Gotta download it. And you can catch 38 Special live in concert at the Ralston Arena on February 8th. Coming up on the Mulberry Lane Show, meet Alicia Dennis. She's the senior editor of People Magazine and the host of the show, People Magazine Investigates. We're going to take you to break with a classic 38 special hit.
music, arts, and lifestyle. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Thanks for keeping it here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. Well, People Magazine Investigates is in its second season on America's most watched true crime network, Investigation Discovery. Now, People Magazine's senior editor of crime, Alicia Dennis, is here to give you a lowdown on the show, which takes an in-depth look at some high-profile crime cases. And she's going to let you know just exactly what you're in store for this season. Welcome. Welcome to the show, Alicia Dennis. Thank you. That was a lovely introduction. Well, it's so great to have you here on the show with us. First of all, talk about how this show became a series. Sure. People Magazine Investigates began last season, last year, and it was this wonderful partnership with Investigation Discovery. As you know, they're a network that is all crime all the time, and they're really experts in that. And we have such an intense crime reporting department. We have a lot of journalists that work on that, and it just seemed like it made a lot of sense for us to tell stories together. It was a fit. In this yeah. new way. Uh-huh. We're now in the second season, and the show's doing really well, so we're really proud of the work that we're doing on it. Now, you are People Magazine's senior editor of Crime, so what is your role in you know developing the series and bringing it to the people? Right. Well, we work really closely together in figuring out which cases we think are going to be the best for episodes. We have so much in-depth reporting through the years, and a lot of our reporters have worked on some of these cases from the moment they broke and stayed in contact with sources and that kind of thing. So we really look at stories that we think are going to touch people and really share the human condition of the individuals that are in the center of these cases mm-hmm. and use that as a basis to figure out which episodes we're going to put together. Now, a lot of these are just your normal everyday people that you know are victims of crimes or their families are or whatever. And so it really tells the story from just your regular person's view. Exactly right. And I think that what we've said about People Magazine in the past is that we tell stories of ordinary people thrust into extraordinary circumstances as well as famous people doing ordinary things. And this particular series really does bring out a lot of the individual's experiences as they live through this, either, you know, the victim's families or we have a lot of survivors that are featured in our shows, people that have gone through intense, horrific situations, and then they share with us what it was like to go through those things and then how it impacted their lives later. And how they came out on the other side. Right, Uh yeah, and I think a lot of times, even though these cases can be very dark, their personal stories are really inspiring. Okay, so that kind of is the light that keeps it from becoming too dark. Right, exactly. What's so uh, different about our show and about People Magazine itself is I think our focus on individual stories and really them trusting us with sharing those stories through their own eyes. Uh Now, you personally, how did you come to crime journalism? 
Well, it's funny. I've uh, been a journalist for years and worked in all the different sections of people, Um, you know, in celebrity reporting and music reporting and human interest and heroes reporting. I've had a lot of experience in all of it. And the crime section has always just been so intriguing to me because there is so much investigation that goes into this. And a lot of our reporters really work side by side with police as these cases break. And so it's a really great chance to tell stories in a different way. Are you more attracted to the storytelling side of it or the investigation side of it? I guess it's kind of an even deal for me. The investigation is certainly exciting, and we've had situations where our journalists have helped break cases wide open. At the same time, yeah, it really is. (laughs) We Uh really like to be part of it. But at the same time, when people trust you to tell you about, you know, their darkest moments, maybe something that it's taken a lot of bravery for Uh them to come forward Uh and be so public about, because we're a national magazine and our show is, you know, seen by millions. Uh So they're really taking this huge leap of faith to be able to you know, go so public with what it is that very privately happened to them. So that's also something that I find really compelling so about getting to do, do this job. Do you find yourself, you know, becoming protective of these people as well? Yeah, I think that sometimes you really are because you're with them through their entire experience of deciding that they're going to do this. Okay. And we try to be really clear with them about what that's going to mean for them. Mm-hmm. It's one thing for your friends and family to know what happened to you. It's a whole nother thing for the world to know. Right. But I think a lot of times people feel a real freedom in finally getting Telling to say story. their mm-hmm. truth in this way, mm-hmm. even though it's a difficult path for a lot of them. So Now, do you find it's a fine line to walk sometimes between, you know, what you feel like your viewers or your readers would want to know versus what you feel they're ready to reveal? Oh, that's such a good question. I think that we do everything we can to make sure that we're not featuring cases that we can't break wide open because okay. our viewers really need to know. Right. And a lot right. of these cases have so much And you don't want your viewers disappointed with, well, that right. didn't go anywhere. Exactly. Right. So if the, the case isn't going to give that to us, if we have people involved that aren't willing to okay. you know, share all of it. So you have to be really like, careful with even who you feature because it has to be someone who's willing to tell everything. That's right. Uh That's right. And willing to do it, you know, it's one thing to sit down with a journalist in your house uh, without a camera. It's a whole different thing to do it with a camera. And do you find sometimes people are very open with you one-on-one personally, but when the cameras are there, it's a whole different thing? Sometimes that can happen, but the perfect scenario and what we aim for is for the cameras to almost seem invisible in a way to them so that they really get so into telling their story and the experience that they've forgotten that there's a camera there. Uh Well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to People Magazine investigative journalist Alicia Dennis talking about People Magazine investigates the new series on investigation discovery here on the Mulberry Lane Show. So now, as far as being a crime journalist, is it hard not to take things home with you at night? Well, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's become something that you think about a lot, that you maybe lock your doors and you're a right. little bit more cautious. More aware of what can go right. wrong. A little right. bit concerned. Uh-huh. But I think for me personally, one thing, it makes me very grateful for the things that I have and uh-huh. uh, makes me very aware of 
how all of that could go away in an instant, just Uh because we get so involved in the way that these people's lives have exploded and changed forever. Uh Has any story really affected you, or you feel like you'd have really changed your view of humanity or anything? Well, some of them are harder to shake than others. Certainly the cases of multiple serial killers that we've covered, we find that a lot of these individuals are incredibly charming and manipulative and cunning. And it does kind of make you look at situations and people in a tiny bit different light. Probably a little more skeptical. Yeah, every once in a while that can happen. And then there's some that are difficult to shake, especially the ones uh, we had a case this season about a little boy, Dior Kuntz, who disappeared on a camping trip. And what happened to him is still unknown. Mm -hmm. And those kind of moments, you you wake up at night and wonder about, you know, where he is Uh and and what occurred. Frightening. And then what other stories can we look forward to this season? Well, we have a wonderful second season. We have another couple of new episodes coming up. Uh, One, The Alaskan Temptress, which is a fascinating case about a woman who had multiple fiancés and one ended up dead. There's a lot of twists and turns in that story. That almost seems like a fiction movie. Oh, yeah. A lot of these do. Uh A lot of these, you know, that we rip out of our pages seem like a movie that you could be watching. And and I think that that really draws viewers in. So, Alicia, well... It's really fascinating to get a view of how this series came about and what we can look forward to in the season. We appreciate you stopping by and sharing it with us. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here. That's Alicia Dennis with Investigation Discoveries, People Magazine Investigates. Make sure you check out the second season airing Monday nights at 9 p.m. Central on Investigation Discovery. Thanks, Alicia, for bringing this intriguing show to us and giving us a really good behind-the-scenes look at what you do to bring these stories to us. Allie, who else do we need to thank? Well, we got to thank Don Barnes of 38 Special. Now, remember, you can catch these guys in concert at the Ralston Arena in Omaha on February 8th. And Don, thanks for joining our show today and telling us all about your solo album, Ride the Storm, and the crazy storm that you had to go through to actually get this album released. Thanks for sharing your brand of music, what you call muscles and melody, with our listeners. And of course, last but not least, the incredible, legendary Engelbert Humperdinck. Engelbert, thanks once again for joining the show, giving us a really good peek into the recording sessions of your new album, The Man I Want to Be. And after 81 albums, if you can sound as incredible as you do, we're looking forward to the 82nd album. And you've always got a chair here, Engelbert. Thanks once again for joining the show. Make sure you guys join us next weekend for more of the Mulberry Lane Show. Bo. Stay happy and stay blessed. Allie. Don't forget to be awesome. Rachel. That's a wrap. We're out. Baby, take a